And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Tuesday, and it's time to get deep. Jason Hutt here in the bunker live. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me, and this is the show where we have conversations about lots of different things. And today, at some point, we're waiting, uh, we're waiting for Chris Braley to join us, and uh, that's going to be happening here in a little bit. But let's take care of a couple of housekeeping things. Robert and Holly in the chat, welcome. All right, we are experiencing some issues. All right, today on the program, Chris Braley from BleedingFool.com will be here. And uh, while we're waiting for connections to be made there, let me go over a couple of housekeeping things here real quick. Um, It would seem that uh, the time zone question has come up a couple of times. So I'm going to put it to the chat. I'm going to put it to uh, to people who are watching later. Uh, does it make sense? Is it worthwhile? And is it helpful if we were to start promoting our shows using Eastern and Pacific time rather than Central time? Um, because apparently... It has become a question. Uh, it's it's uh, it's caused some confusion in terms of scheduling some things. So, does it help if we sit there and say one o'clock Eastern instead of noon Central? That's uh, that's the question of the day. So, uh, if you uh, have an opinion on that, you want to share that with us then let us know. A little bit of business here. If you want to save some money on swag, uh, not that you're going to be able to wear it very many places, and I don't think they're doing masks, but SuperheroStuff.com, we do have a discount code over there. You save 10% when you use the promo code SciFi for me 10 And if you want to support us uh, with uh, the coins that are short everywhere else, subscribestar.com slash sci-fi for me is where you can do that. And now let us see if we've got anything going on here. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I might be in the wrong one. Look at that. You know, it helps. It helps to be in the right call. Well, because what happened What happened was, I know what happened. Because I was testing it, I know what happened. Because I had turned everything on, 
to test the new layout. And that's what I just sent him. And it was like, we're, we're, we're in the wrong, we're in the wrong call. He was in the right call. I was in the wrong call. Now I'm in the right call. Now let's see what happens. There he is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those things, right? It's just, it's, it's one of those things. Hello, Chris Braley. How are you, sir? Hey, there we are. I can hear you. I can see you. That's excellent. Okay. So welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Jason. Thank you. Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm great. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, although I'm a little bit sad that I did not get included in this list of Comicsgate YouTubers. Uh, although we're technically not Comicsgate, nor are we Comicsgate Comicsgate adjacent, but I'm looking at some of this list here, and I'm like, well, half, had two thirds of these people aren't Comicsgate, so I'm wondering what the criteria is or criteria. The uh, list, the, the clownfish TV. Yeah, yeah, I tell you, that's just that's just one of those but it, things. But who who posted that? Wasn't it some guy named Stinky? I and mean, what was the name of the original poster of this list? Sniffy. 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 And I have no idea even where who, this where this list has cares? got posted. So <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't care. Uh, somebody's gonna call you can call me straight, gay, atheist, Christian, conservative, democrat. I don't care. I, you know, you, you don't know me. Uh, I don't know how much traction this list is getting. I know that um uh Neon from Clownfish, he does his research and apparently it was keyworded well enough to get picked up, but you know, I, I'm so tired of people continuously getting misinformed about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, what is Comicsgate, right? I mean, literally, hey, you well, can go all the way back to 2014 and find the hashtag. The very first person that used the hashtag Comicsgate was a guy that um, we share a lot of his works, Avi Green. I don't know if you've ever read Avi's stuff. He's uh, currently on the, of it, yeah. Yeah, he's on the front page right now with the Gail Simone uh, article. Uh oh, I think I might have some noise coming. No, through. that was that was me. I hit a button. <laughs> okay, don't hit those buttons. You got a lot more buttons to push. It looks like I have a few. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm not. I don't guess Bleeding Fool's not on the list, are we? We don't have a YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, but it's really uh, we just use it to favorite videos that mention Bleeding Fool. <laughs> yeah, I I do I do believe that you guys were on the list. I think you were oh, right there no. at the bottom, right there at the bottom of the uh Does that mean we're the most or the least? Let me go see this. I don't know if this is ranked uh any one particular way. So, um okay. I'm, I'm looking well, here at the list. I see uh Well, no, now that I now that I'm looking at it again, Quartering Yellow Flash, Umbrella Guy, Nerdrotic, Geeks and Gamers. Um, I think it's strictly YouTubers. Okay, so yeah, yeah, no, you're you're not on the list either. Yeah. Oh well, darn it. That's too bad. Missed, so missed what is what is what is adjacent? What does that mean precisely? Does anybody have a, a strict definition of well, which see, uh, quadrant the, we fit in? That's the question: is how are they how are they judging who's part of this group or not? I mean, it, it almost feels like. Like it's just kind of this arbitrary. If you don't agree with us, you're part of this thing. I guess we're all Nazis too. I, Is that right? I suppose. I mean i i have I have neglected to wear my brown shirt for a while now, so I guess you know it's one of those things. 
It's a shame. And and who makes these people the arbiters of labels right. and truth? Right. It's, that's it's that's the question. Well, and and this is something that I that I want to get into with you a, a little bit because as I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the reaction to George R. R. Martin's hosting the Hugos, for example. Yes, and I'm looking good. at the attacks on Jay Lee and and the the hits on Dynamite and, and all of these different things. Uh, something that I that I mentioned yesterday. I have come to the conclusion that this is not really a, a situation where it's right versus left, Democrats versus Republicans, conservatives versus liberals or anything like that. It's this us versus them mentality uh, is even more basic than that. It's about power and control. It's I have power. I want power. I crave power. I'm going to do whatever I can to have that power and keep it. And and political ideology aside, I mean, I know that factors into it. And sometimes, then, uh, you know, what does what does that power look like, and how does it give you? You know, you, you talk about the gatekeepers who determines who's part of these groups and who's not a part of these groups. I would say that somebody like an Ethan Van Skyver, for example, he would have power and influence because his book has made a million dollars. Whereas you have somebody like an Alex DeCampi or a Stephanie Cook or somebody who's on the inside, from what does their power derive? Where where are they getting their power? Is it something that people have abdicated to them? Is it something that they get because of who they know or what they know about who they know? How, how does that power uh, become part of the equation for these people. Heather Antos, who is she? Why is she such an influence? Why does she have as big a voice as she does? You know, Gail Simone, I can see. Gail Simone had a had a solid run on Batgirl. She was she was very, very popular, very critically acclaimed. Everybody, everybody liked her work up until a certain point. And you look at how she's behaving now versus, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, it's a lot different. And Gail Simone, I can see having influence because she's got a track record. She's got a history. Heather Antos does not. Alex right. DeCampi, we don't have any idea who she was outside of the fact that she contributed to Bleeding Cool. And she's Rich Johnston's favorite. But how? Why does that matter? You know, and and we can get into some of that as well because you you have been posting uh, articles about the Whisper Network, and that does yeah. that comes back into power and control. But I want to set the table a little bit for people who might not be familiar with what's going on. Most of the people who who watch this show or or listen to our podcast are probably familiar with things that are going on in the comics industry. But just in case we get some some new people, uh, let's let's go back to the beginning of Bleeding Fool because. Mm -hmm. You guys popped up on my radar about the same time that Bounding into Comics started to take off. John Trent had been doing that site for a while, just doing comics reviews. And as the Comics Gate movement started to ramp up and you started to see a lot of the Twitter crowd start to pile on and dogpile these people, 
uh, Bounding Into Comics uh, showed up. You guys over at Bleeding Fool showed up. So w- where where was the beginning of Bleeding Fool as a site as it exists now? Were you guys around before, or was this something where somebody just said, you know, Bleeding Cool has become this cesspool of, of yellow journalism. Let's poke at it. Um, no, Bounding Into Comics was around before us. Um, that's for sure. I had not been been familiar with uh, Bounding Into Comics when they first uh, came out. I'm friends with John on social media. Um, and we just happened to be, I think, veterans of the social justice wars, uh, you might say. Um, Bleeding Fool launched um, in 2017, um, October, and it was strictly because of what Bleeding Cool was doing. I mean, obviously, the name, we didn't just pull the name out of the ether. Right. Uh, it, it, it's a spoof of um, the Cool website. And the reason that I did it was... Um, I was I would visit Bleeding Cool. I mean, they had, you know, news, um, you know, frequently, even if a lot of it was just shill or garbage websites, you know, stuff that we didn't really care about. You know, every there would occasionally be a nugget. And um, they were a little less shilly then than they are now. I think they're really, truly a shill site now, um, although they've got some decent writers, um, I used to follow, um, oh, what's his name? The trash talker, uh, that G- writes for them now. G- G- yeah. yeah. I used to read him over at the outhousers, uh, before they shut down and, or became something else. But, uh, I was very, uh, into the comic scene. I've been a comic reader since, you know, a boy, um, 51 now. Uh, so I've been an off and on comics reader since I was, wow, uh, since 1978, Yeah, I must've been 10 years old. Uh, I've sold my collections and gotten out of it for years, but you know, I've, I think there's some long boxes back here, a few of them. There's some graphic novels on the shelves. I still get an order from Cowabunga or DCBS every now and then. And I've got a local comic shop. And I was a regular on the, uh, forums over at a, um, uh, website called Comic Geek Speak for a long time. And I kept noticing that the uh, only articles that would come out would be how great uh, this the, the, the latest uh, gender or race swap or replacement of a legacy character or something like that was. And there would be a few people on the forums that would say, well, that's kind of just lazy. I mean, is that the only idea we can come up with anymore? This is around the time that the Ghostbusters uh, 2016 uh, version, the Lady Ghostbusters sure. was coming out, and a bunch of people. There was a lot of uh, of um, back and forth in the forums about it, but not more than what you used to get at the comic shop when people would say, you know, who can beat, who can win, Superman versus the Hulk, right? Um, I've always been able to argue or debate people and still be friends with them. Uh, that's just a sign of maturity to me. Uh, if somebody doesn't want to argue or debate, um, you know, they, they don't have to, and I'll back off. But nowadays it's, it's not that way. Nowadays, you know, if, if 
you don't agree with me, Jason, you're Hitler. Yeah, well, um, and it seems to me that a lot of these people, especially over Twitter comics, your comics mm-hmm. Twitter, I guess is what they're called. Yeah, the Twitter they're, they're very childish. They're very yes. immature in, in yes. their behavior. And not just in comics. We see it in, in video games. Everything. We see it in literature with the Hugos and, and Worldcon. Movies. Yeah. Movies. The whole entertainment complex. Yeah. These people who think that they are the tastemakers, the, the, the gatekeepers. What's the social media? I think that's a byproduct of social media. Like Gail Simone, before she had 162,000 followers on Twitter, was actually a lot more tolerable. I'm working with um, uh, Mike Barron on a project right now called Florida Man. It's on in demand on Indiegogo right now. I hope people go check it out. But uh, he said something about he responded to somebody had tweeted something about it looks like comics is starting to get filled up with bitter cat ladies. And Mike or eventually comics is going to be nothing but written by bitter cat ladies. And Mike Barron on Twitter said they already are. That was his response. And then Gail Simone, who used to work with Mike, saw the tweet. He didn't mention Gail. It wasn't in response to Gail. She saw the tweet and posted, I, I always thought you were better than this, Mike. And then went into this, you know, uh, she tweet storms, right? So she goes into a tweet storm and eventually uh, they had a phone call later and worked it out, I guess, like Jay Lee and Tom King did. But um, I think when you've got hundreds of thousands of followers that are constantly liking and blowing smoke up your butt, uh, you feel more powerful. You become more corrupted, right? Yeah, and you I, start to I'm buy into as, your own press. Sure. Well, and it, it goes the same with likes on Facebook and anything else. You know, you're getting that affirmation that what you said is right. Uh, but it doesn't mean that the people that are liking it are well-informed. And I think that's one of the things I'm um, uh, getting saddened about is a lot of the people that are following somebody like Sniffy are totally uninformed. Yeah. Right. They're not informed at all about what's going on. So back to why Bleeding Fool started, I, w- I would comment in the comments section of uh, the other website and uh, usually would get a lot of traction um, just because I, I don't just go in there and try to cuss people out or call them names. I really if I've got a point of view, I really try to express it. And I expressed something they were talking about uh, the need for more diversity in uh, comic books, you know, typically what. Uh, they are um, campaigning for over there. And I said, isn't it fascinating? Uh, One of my comments was, isn't it fascinating how back when uh, Chris Claremont wrote X-Men 94, there was uh, absolutely no comment about the diversity, the racial diversity and all that on that comic book cover or anywhere in the marketing. And yet it was a massive success. And nobody replied to that comment. Nobody replied to it, downvoted it, upvoted it, anything. So I, I, I'm, I'm savvy on the web, and I logged out, and I noticed that it wasn't there. It, I had been shadow banned. Mm. And because I made that comment, which I thought was a pretty tame comment, um, I guess it was just wrong think. You know what I mean? Right. And I decided right then and right there, I said, man, I've crafted websites before. I'm just going to do one where you can talk. You can uh, express these opinions without being shadow banned, almost like a freedom of speech um, mission. And the and we only have one rule 
uh, in our comment section, it says, don't be a name calling jerk and you won't get blocked. Now, well, let me, block, you let me block ask you this people, though, but not lately. Be, because the way, the way you're describing that now, it sounds like the original intent was to do sort of a, 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 a a blog anthology for mm -hmm. lack of a better descriptor. Oh, it's just an online journal. But you guys are, I don't, I don't know. Did it evolve subconsciously into a news site just organically? Or was that a conscious decision on the, on the part of you guys in editorial where you saw an opportunity here to sit there and say, okay, we can take it to bleeding cool. We can take it to IO nine. Let's, well, we let's always wanted to into take the a piss out. We always wanted to take a piss out of the uh, uh, mainstream media. I mean, you, you go to CBR now on mm. in their forums, oh, yeah. and if you if you mention uh, Richard Meyer or Jawbreakers, you'll get banned. It happened recently on Reddit. Um, I tried to mention uh, that uh, crowdfund campaign for Florida Man, and next thing you know, the account was banned um, with no. Um, a way to redress your grievances at all. Uh, it, and it wasn't even because anything negative had been said. It was strictly because they were clamping down on free speech. Uh, free speech and its tenet is about uh, protecting speech that's unpopular. It's not about protecting safe speech, right? It's right. not called safe speech. It's free speech. And so once I talked to some other friends, you know, the same thing happened within a few weeks of Bleeding Fool. Some other forum that I was in found out that I was uh, running Bleeding Fool. I tried to kind of actually keep my my uh, identity a secret because of how it is now. Um, we've got a writer that did the uh, Whisper Network exposés and they're coming for her. They're searching for her on Google. They're looking for, they're looking up the Google image of the photo yeah. uh, on her bio. And, and of course, I'm going to tell you right now, Jason, if it wasn't already clear, Penny <laughs> Parker is a pseudonym. That photo is not her. Yeah, I figured that was the case. Uh, <laughs> but we're not going to reveal that kind of stuff because we're dealing with a culture nowadays that will go back into your history, attack you, call your employers and so on and so forth. It's ridiculous. Now you've got some detractors on that because we're going to get into the, into the whisper sure, sure. stuff, but you've got some people that are, that are making the claim. They're making the, the accusation that because mm -hmm. your writer is hiding behind a pseudonym and a, and a, and a stock photo, right. That, reduces or eliminates the credibility of the material that's that's being put out because yeah. you're you're not okay. you're not able that's to fair. do something that's fair i don't care uh the information is as true as we know it to be yeah uh i communicated directly with bill willingham to establish that it was a factual story that penny was uh posting um i go through uh, as the editor and and look to make sure that we are covering are uh, crossing our T's, dotting our I's. Of course, there's misspellings. There's going to be uh, occasionally or a missed word here and there. Yeah. It's not a perfect, uh, we're not the Washington <laughs> Post. But again, we're not the Washington Post. So I just try to make sure that we're not liable for anything that we are publishing. There's no defamation. Uh, this was a story. And the story wasn't what did Cook do? Uh, what did Bill accuse her of? The story was that bleeding cool had published this and then chose to memory hole it. Yeah, so it's more and of an that, indictment of them as opposed to. Sure. This Stephanie is one more member of the whisper network that got um, 
uh, scolded, I guess you might say this week, because Stephanie's very hypocritical about how men handle money and transparency and on and on and on. So it was time to say, well, Stephanie, what about this? And it's not like we are coming after people to insult them. Yeah. We're just holding a mirror up, right? This is what you did. So what what's different now that you think you can attack men and the comic book business when Bill Willingham accused you of embezzlement of $10,000 or more and you left the United States and um, and never answered to the charges that he filed. And it uh, doesn't look like F- she's been on on Twitter since uh, a few hours before you posted if that. If you article. ask me, well, and let's let's look at that, those actions or the fruit of those actions. If I were an innocent man, I would be defending myself. Right. And I would be able to do it really quick. And we haven't heard from Stephanie Cook's attorney, just like Bill Willingham never heard from Stephanie Cook's attorney. Now we file um one of our mutual friends is looking into uh, an FOIA uh, request today uh, to get more information from the police department. If we get that, we will share it if it's newsworthy. Um, but, you know, again, we aren't uh, NPR. We are not CBS, ABC, NBC. We basically tell the stories that we want to, just like CBR does, just like Rich Johnston does, right? Right. Uh, we are not trying to say we are the only channel for news. We're an alternative. We're an internet journal. We have several contributors, dozens of contributors, uh, everybody from uh, Robert Willing, who does his video reviews, uh, to uh, Tristan, to Penny, to um, uh, Mandy, to uh, Hube. Uh, we've got, you know, all kinds of people, Arnell uh, from the UK. And, and they're all varied opinions. Arnell hates Trump. Um, John loves Trump. Uh, I, we don't necessarily vet all of our uh, writers. Maybe I should. I had to part ways with one last fall. Um, and I've had some people write for us that maybe uh, held, held or espoused some views that I vehemently uh, disagreed with. Yeah. But um, if it's newsworthy and, they, and they've done their homework... Um, you know, we, we'll publish it and put it out there. Well, and that's and that's the thing that that we've talked about here with the with the mix of staff. The the idea of you know everybody has to believe the same thing is on on the face of it is a little ridiculous. I mean, it's weird. You how how do you do something like that? Right. But at the same time, now we've got you know people like Barry. Uh, uh, what's her name? Barry Weiss. Resigning from the New York Times, you've got Ariana Picari resigning from MSNBC, and calling out the mainstream media for their bias, calling it a cancer, calling it uh, irresponsible, calling it you know dis, uh, uh, disingenuous, basically saying you guys hate the president so much. It's affecting your judgment in terms of journalism. And I look at sites like Bleeding Cool, like io9, like the Mary Sue. Yeah. And, you know, io9 and the Mary Sue were really bad about it, basically saying, you know, if you don't agree with I I mean, I really, I used to go to io9 every morning until about five years ago. Yeah. Well, and I checked out of io9 when they posted their big uh, pro science. Uh, 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 manifesto here a few yeah. years ago, basically saying, if you don't believe in science, if you're a Christian, you're terrible, go away. 
you know, the, it was like, well, you can be a Christian. You can still believe that science is science. I mean, the, yeah. the two, the two are not diametrically opposed to each other. Right. There's a lot of science in the Bible if you, if you look for it. Sure. But this idea of ideological gatekeeping and and purity and that sort tests. of the purity test, yeah. it's it's gotten way out of hand. But you know, it's it's not just the mainstream media that's doing it. It's all it's genre media as well. And this cancel culture and the and the and the culture war is directly in in the in the midst of all of this and you know whether you take a side or not Mm -hmm. a side is going to be chosen there's a war going on yeah Yeah. there's a war going on and they're not taking any prisoners jason they're not taking any prisoners no one who has ever been affiliated kind to or liked a comics gate creator or project or anything like that will escape uh, if they have their way. Well, you look at what uh, happened to Peter Samedi over at exactly. Alternate Comics. He t- he said, I'm not taking a position. I just want to sell comics. Mm-hmm. And because he didn't denounce Comicsgate, he was associated with Comicsgate and said, okay, it, he's evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, how how do you determine these things? Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. It, because you know, he didn't denounce it. And then you, and one of the things about the Whisper Network that demonstrated, you mentioned Heather Antos first, when Scott Snyder came out and said, hey, sorry, it's been a long weekend. I didn't get to this, meaning I don't live on social media. I have a life. Right. Uh, and he uh, said that he, he he denounced it. And Heather Antos was like, I, I thought you were better than that. So it's never good enough. Oh, and right. uh, they're going to try to shame you. And we called, you know, going back to the, the last week's um, uh, part two, we called the Scott Snyder thing. And now he's stepping away from DC Comics. It's not our fault. Uh, maybe we amplified it or, you know, brought it to people's attention, but um, uh, it is what it is. Now, is right? it, the, the Scott Snyder thing, I, I thought the timing of it was rather interesting in that we got the news that he was starting to pull away from D.C., but that kind of thing does not necessarily imply a cause and effect because if Scott Snyder has got some projects in the works that he's going to pursue, my guess is he's, he's probably been working on this for a while and the timing of it might be coincidental, but I, I don't see where, uh, anything that you guys posted would have caused Scott Snyder to, to back away from DC because DC is a pretty good gig for him has been for a while sure yeah and he would be one of those people and and it's one of those things where back in the 90s you had certain certain creators that sold a book just on their name scott mcfarland being one of them nowadays you don't have that many scott snyder is one of them where if you have a book that he's writing odds are pretty good it's going to sell well scott's going to make more money uh, doing his own thing than he is at DC. Todd yeah. McFarlane would never go back to Marvel or DC. You know that. Yeah. And uh, this maybe I, I I don't care if we were a catalyst or a fuel for his decision making or not, but it would surprise me if um, no one said to him, "Dude, why do you even want to work around that nest of vipers? You need to be doing your own thing instead of doing this 
DC uh, new hires uh, well, workshop. Dude. How how much do you think maybe maybe was a factor with uh, the situation with Sean Gordon Murphy? I mean, you look Same at thing. you know yeah. e- Ethan has sat there and said they're going to attack you. They're going if you don't come out and do this, they're going to. Attack you. When Sean Gordon Murphy came out and said, "I just want to sell books. You treat the customers right, right. treat people with respect," he got dogpiled. Now he's but gone stop right there it. for just a second. And wasn't that really? Very the telling. main thrust of Comicsgate. I mean, the you know, uh, we just did an article uh, from Doug Doug Douglas Ernst, Doug Ernst, uh, yesterday. It's still on the front page uh, about Dan Slott, and it's this unprofessional behavior from some of these pros yeah. on social media again uh, that people just get sick of it and say, man, either either they learn that that professional has blocked them using a blockchain or whatever it's called, block bots. Or they uh, have just said the most atrocious things. And I have, uh, I really trimmed my own pull list back when I would see some of the posts personally. And that's part of the, another reason that uh, Bleeding Fool just kind of picked up its pace was seeing things like what Nick Spencer would say, what um, uh, Eric Larson would say, what uh, Dan Slott would say, what Mark Wade would say, and so on and so on. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Yeah. And there's no accountability for that. So you've got people that are trashing or publicly trashing people they don't like on Twitter. Okay. And someone who's not in the fight, that's not part of Comicsgate or just isn't a Trump supporter, because most of these people, it, it always seems to be people who hate Trump, oh, uh, yeah. Greg Rucka, uh, et cetera, um, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz and so on. But they've all said some of the most ugly, I mean, some of the ugliest things. And if they call it racist and somebody says, well, I'm black, or they say it's homophobe and somebody says, well, I'm gay, that are on the comics gate side of things, which is why can't people be hired on merit? Why can't you just focus on good story and good art without uh, having to include all this propaganda? Or why does why are you gender swapping my favorite hero? Or why are you race bending someone? You know, no. you're either a, a you're a hateful bigot, you're a racist, you're homophobe, and so on. And then when somebody that they say that to says, "But I'm gay. I'm a black gay man. Why are you saying that to me?" And they say, "Well, you're nothing but a token." Exactly. So it's the most bigoted, um, intolerant. Uh, group of people. And as you see more and more of that, I do believe, I don't think it's, it's, it's the, the main reason that comics are suffering, but I don't, it hasn't helped. And I remember in 2018, DC comics came out with a social media policy. This was right around the same time that Peter Samedi tried to come out with one. And it's funny, Peter finally admitted uh, that he came out with his because there were people submitting work to Alterna and he would go check out their social media and he would find out he was blocked by that person. So he said, and that's actually, for- you know, that's something that's that's come up from a couple of other people that have said, you know, I'm I'm a new creator. Yeah. How is it? How am I going to get my stuff out there yeah. if all of these people have me blocked? I can't even right. communicate with them, right. whether they're an editor like Heather Antos or or right. or or, or CB Sobolski or whoever. If they're blocking yeah. me, I can't I can't pitch my work. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it, and it's lazy too. That's the other thing. It's almost like 
when you use, from my understanding, I've never used a block bot, blockchain, whatever it's called. Maybe there's a better term for it, but basically it's just sort of this hack where you can put in one person's, like if you don't, if you don't want Comicsgate followers mm-hmm. or people to bother you, you might take uh, Ethan Van Skyver, who's one of the loudest voices on the Comicsgate side of the fence. Uh, he said he's not the leader. He doesn't even, I don't think, own the copyright for the name and so on. And But but he's really the loudest voice of Comicsgate, and he espouses the the philosophy of it. Well, you might, as a uh, easily triggered um, Trump-hating creator that works for Marvel that doesn't want any Comicsgate criticism, you might just go, I'm going to take Ethan's uh, handle on Twitter, plug it into this hack, and then anybody that follows Ethan is blocked automatically. Yep. Well, Maybe. Ethan's got thousands and thousands of followers. How's that going to work out when you discover that not every one of his followers uh, hates, uh, loves or hates Trump or has anything to do with it? It's it's yeah. just foolish. Well, Mazurus in the chat says it's chain blocking. Says he uh, thinks it's blocking. done with some third-party application. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I've started making a list of all of the people who have blocked us just mm. – for whatever reason, I mean, there are, there are several on there: Tess Fowler, Monica Rial, uh, Quanzer, Greg Rucka, uh, sure. Mags, Chris Sabella. Um, I've decided I don't buy anything from those people anymore. Yeah. They're certainly not going to buy anything from me. I don't think I should uh, do anything but return the favor. But I think it's a handy list to have. These are people that block customers yeah, but and are hateful on social media. Put the list together. I'll add to is, it. Is Joe Glass is on this list? Mm. You know, and you start looking at some of the. And who is Joe Glass? Is Joe Glass, an openly a, gay comic creator that writes for Bleeding Cool. Beth Elderkin. You know, never heard and, of her. Well, she writes for Io9. I mean, you you ah, start to okay. see some of these comics journalists starting to block people as well. It's like, wait a minute, if you're a journalist, if you're a media person. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it behoove you to stay open to everything so you can see what's going on if you? You know, if you find uh, uh, the uh, the beginning of a thread for a story, oh, somebody posted this. That's a news story, baby. And it's it's one of those things where you're cutting your nose off to spite your own face, and you think that you're taking the high road. You think you're the better person for blocking all of these people when you're when you're really eliminating a lot of one opportunity for work, two. You know, any kind of opportunity for dialogue and discussion. These people don't want to talk. They don't want to have any right. kind of a of a back and forth. You right. either agree with them or you're a Nazi. Well, even and, and then there are creators uh, like Mike Barron, for instance, who is openly conservative. Um, he's uh, he espouses some of the comics gate tenants. But, I mean, he doesn't get into, you know, all the wherewithals and the. Um, war campaign and all that kind of messy stuff. And the same goes with Chuck Dixon. And they both sort of been blacklisted from the industry. And these are Eisner award-winning, Inkpot award-winning writers that mm-hmm. just wrote legendary runs. Uh, but you, you'd rather have Cena Grace working for Marvel doing Iceman. So, so these guys don't run blockchains. Uh, and matter of fact, they occasionally look for colorists and letterers to work on their projects and artists. Well, the artists that have blocked them aren't going to get that work. The artists that haven't have a better shot. You've got no chance at all if you're blocking. So these people that are blocking, I mean, I I don't care who Heather Antos blocks. I don't want to see anything she has to say. She mocks Christians on uh, Easter Sunday. Um, 
and she's just mean and she's basically Karen Antos, really. <laughs> um, so who cares uh, that she blocks me? Uh, but it is a good indicator for me to go, ah, that, there's a name I really ought to keep um, in mind or maybe keep it on a note on my mobile phone. So when I'm going to the comic shop, I'll flip open that first page and make sure it's not there. Yeah. And there's a few people at Marvel like that, editors at Marvel that I've had to end uh, my affiliation with any runs on uh, because of crack shot. I'll let you figure out who that is, but he's one of the editors there. And Tom Brevort, I mean, he's a, he's a jerk to his own son. It doesn't surprise me that he calls any, any complaining Marvel fans um, crybabies. So why do, why would we want to give money to people that hate us? Right. And if the people that Heather Antos is uh, uh, appealing to uh, are so um, such uh, big comic book fans, why isn't Valiant doing better? Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so, the other thing too is, you know, you say, yeah, well, these people are comics gate. These people are terrible persons. And mm -hmm. you see in the comment threads, and Twitter is like, oh, you know, thanks for giving me some new people to check out. People are starting to turn this around and say, okay, you're calling them Comicsgate. I should check them out. It's pretty much the reverse of what's been going on with the Hugo Awards. Because back in the day, if you saw this was a Hugo nominee or a Hugo winner, it meant that this was probably a really good book. And nowadays, it's this is a virtue signaling book. Stay away from it. A, a lot of times. Now, Precisely. there are some winners that are probably worthy of the of the award. Yeah. But the 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 corruption of, of all of these, you know, the Eisners, the Hugos, all of these, it's it's almost as if there are two like Earth 1 and Earth 2 have kind of started merging back and forth and the values of one and the values of the other are are starting to to battle with each other now we're in this this final this final phase of which one's going to come out uh the the one at the end um robert in the chat so many on social media demand you have an opinion on trump uh i will when every american has the correct opinion of the australian and the canadian prime ministers <laughs> so. Well, I see, and that's that's the thing too. It's not just you know, it's not just people in the United States. I mean, Comicsgate as a as a movement mm. includes a lot of people who don't even live in the United States, and 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 they want to. This whole cadre of people want to associate everything with Trump, yeah. and you know, it it goes back a ways. But I've I've made the point uh, on a couple of occasions that November 2016 was the turning point for a lot of the culture war, where people just started to lose their minds. Yeah, because uh, and Brexit she too. Didn't Brexit win. Brexit yeah. also on a global scale. It was sort of like the right and the left hand, uh, the the one two punch. I think with Trump be, being elected and Brexit. Uh, yeah. being voted. Uh, well, and you see forward. that with with Patrick Stewart's comments when he was talking about, you know, when he was promoting Picard before it came out. The yeah. fact that they were going to make it all about Brexit and Trump is like, well, I don't want to see that show. Well, and that's and I haven't watched a single episode. I'm it's not, not going to. It's not good. It's not no, good. well, I've heard that. And yeah. I I get I'm more entertained by watching someone like Gary Bueller uh or uh, from uh, Nerdrotic. Yeah. Uh, talk about it or um as from Hills versus Babyface, because these guys are true fans of Star Trek, Doctor Who, and so on, and they've just gone totally woke. Uh, and now you've got the ML, uh, Major League Baseball, the NBA going woke, 
uh, comics have gone woke, movies are going woke. It's just a mess. It's a mess. And I am, I, I take a little bit of um, solace when I see uh, corporations like Trader Joe's or um, uh, uh, Red Bull uh, getting rid of some of their woke people. Yeah. Uh, you know, at first it's all a, a big virtue signal. We've got to show that we love everybody. We've got to show that we're not the haters and the phobes. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to appeal to uh, your base and your base doesn't care about uh, things like uh, um, the effort to uh, increase the amount of drag queen story time uh, hours at the local elementary school. Right? Well, and I think the other thing, too, is you're starting to see in in the media the discussion about the cancel culture with this letter yeah. in Harper's and the response in the Atlantic yeah. and all of the back and forth. Well, and, and George R. R. and, um, um, uh, and Harry J. Potter. Yeah, J.K. Yeah, Rowling. Rowling. Well, yeah. and the thing is, now that that discussion is starting to be had, I think it's a, I think it's an indicator that there are enough people who are participating in the cancel culture who are now starting to feel their effects. Because you get... Uh, you get people like, well, like in the YA universe, you've got Alexandra Duncan who had to pull her book. You had uh, Emily Wenzel who had to pull her book. Kosako Jackson had to pull his book because they're not the right people to write those stories because skin color, orientation, whatever. And they're Isn't that childish? It. it is. Isn't that childish? It is. And people are sitting there saying, well, wait a minute. Why are you attacking me? I'm one of you. Well, you're not one of us enough. And and right. now people are starting to realize that, you know, all animals are created equal, just some animals are more equal than others. Indeed. And we're getting into that point. I mean, you know, I, I, I've said this. We're at the intersection of Fahrenheit 451, 1984, Brave New World, and Animal Farm. <laughs> wow. I mean, you see them burning Bibles in, in Portland now. It, it That's where we are. And... I have to wonder if the discussion about cancel culture that's going on now in the media might be a turning point, might be a corner, a, you know, a fork in the road where we sit there and go, well, wait a minute, this has gone too far. And because now there's, you know, the snake is starting to eat itself and they're starting to realize that they're not immune from the other people who could go after them. I and mean, you look at what's happening with Ellen DeGeneres, you know, and I, and I think you could trace that all the way back to the blowback she got from sitting at a football game next to George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. You know, up until that point, Ellen DeGeneres was a hero. Sure. And now, well, yeah, you know, there's not, I, so. I think, I think everything is sort of a swinging pendulum, right? Mm -hmm. And the response to Donald Trump really pushed a, a hard swing towards social justice and encouraged people uh, like um, the Marxists yeah. and the America hating left to really get, put, set their hair on fire and yeah. make a spectacle of themselves. Well, and I think that the reason it hasn't swung back yet uh, is because the, um, the people who don't hate the president, don't hate America, uh, just want good entertainment without propaganda, aren't setting their hair on fire. Uh, they, but now that you have a few people who are like classic liberals, uh, like a J.K. Rowling, who are saying things that shouldn't really be 
considered hate speech, but they are being considered hate speech. I think a lot of people are starting to get what is, is euphemistically described as red pilled, um, yeah. you know, like what Neo took in the matrix and they wake up to the reality is that the idea that people believe some of this crazy stuff is not true. There are plenty of them. Uh, yeah. And they make a lot of noise, but they're not the majority. It's just that most people don't want to get in the dirt, in the mud. It's kind of mm -hmm. like if there's somebody fighting in the middle of a, 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 a shopping mall, people might stand around the edges and walk, but most people just want to get out of there. Most people just want to go live their lives, get away from the fray. Right. Uh, the people hanging around don't necessarily get involved. And then there's just the small group that that does get into the tussle. They might, And they're pulling for one person or the other. Those are the vocal people. But I think as more and more people wake up, uh, and and push back against just the sheer lunacy that I think is being pitched as mainstream thought. Um, I was on Screen Rant the other day, and they were pushing um, Empire, uh, Marvel's uh, big um, crossover event. Yeah. And it was being called uh, a great gay space opera, and it had Hulkling, uh, who is gay, kissing his boyfriend or whatever on the featured thumbnail. And I thought, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good marketing uh, move. I don't know if it's going to effectively increase sales or not. I, I, I tend to think that it's probably not going to increase sales. I don't know that it will impact them uh, negatively. But to think that that is sort of the, I, that's an ideal way to market your next big event, to me just seems like, man, you guys are really going really far afield if you think that people who want to read uh, comic books are only interested in the gender or the uh, sexual preference of the characters. I, I, I don't know that I, I, I when I was reading Spider-Man as a teenager, I don't recall ever even thinking about Mary Jane and Peter Parker getting it on. I mean, as, as hot as Mary Jane is, it never occurred to me. Yeah. Uh, and it never occurred to me that maybe him and Flash had fooled around in college or anything like that. I mean, those things don't enter my mind. And for them to be sort of uh, front and center on any uh, comic book event to me just feels like political propaganda. Uh, Rezekai in the, in the, in the chat says, is, let, let's say if Trump had not gotten elected, mm -hmm. would comics gate still have coalesced the way it did? Did, you know, cause I've said Trump's election was kind of this flashpoint for a lot of the insanity that we've seen is, do you think that we would still be where we are if Hillary Clinton had gotten elected instead of Trump or, or would we be in worse shape or we w would this just be a di you know same song, different verse, just evolving differently from what we've got? Well, uh, potentially uh, the uh, conservatives would have their own whisper network, right? <laughs> uh, and I, I say that tongue in cheek because I'm a member of, you know, some uh, conservative only uh, comic people on Facebook. It's not a secret group. I mean, you can find it, but, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I know I was, I, I am, I mean, I'm, I'm an unabashed, uh, America lover. Uh, I agree with, uh, president Trump on mm, probably 70% of the things that he does. Um, and maybe 60 something percent of what he says. So I'll vote for him again. <laughs> Nobody has, presented themselves that uh that i would rather vote for yeah um 
and I'm sick of uh, communist China. I don't want them to have any uh, attachment to America other than to be somebody that buys from us and, and, uh, and sells to us. But having said all that, I don't know. Uh, I, I, what a nightmare scenario. There's been so many things that have taken place uh, in the last three and a half years, uh, four years, that uh, just imagining how Hillary Clinton would have handled uh, the coronavirus, for instance, I, I bet we would all still be stuck in our homes right now, uh, all being tested for vaccines. Well, we are kind of all kind of still stuck in our homes. I'm not, but you know, well, I mean, see, I know you, some people are, but, and, and, and that's what gets me on this, you know, not to get too deep in the weeds on politics, but everybody keeps blaming Trump for all of this when it's the Democrat governors and, and mayors of these cities and states who mm. are implementing all of these policies for lockdowns and masks. And, you know, you can't sure. open your, well, if he was on. a fascist, if he was the fascist, everyone said he was, or the Mussolini or the Hitler, he would tell all the governors what they're supposed to do, but he lets the governors lead their state yeah. and the mayors lead their cities. That's what they were put there for. And the people that are suffering under those governors or mayors had an opportunity to vote for those people. If you should be mad at anybody, it's not the president. Maybe it's your neighbors. If you didn't vote for the people that are in office, it's their fault. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that voted for those people. And I can't blame Trump for the virus. He was uh, back when he was banning travel from China. Joe Biden was saying that was racist. Nancy Pelosi, the highest ranking Democrat in the United States, was saying that was racist. She was waltzing around Chinatown in San Francisco without a mask on saying, oh, we we love our beautiful Chinese immigrants. Uh, Trump's a racist to be able to, to think he can ban travel. Well, it was a good idea. Obviously, this is the Chinese. This is the communist Chinese Communist Party virus. You call it the Wuhan flu or whatever you want. I think it's funny. Uh, I like jokes. Um, I made the comment the other day, though, that Triumph, the insult comic dog or Andrew Dice Clay would be run out of town. I've, I, you know, I laugh at guys like uh, Dave Chappelle, but he gets a lot of hate anytime he makes a joke about a trans person. Yeah. Uh, he can make a, all the jokes he wants about white people. But the minute he makes a joke about a trans person, he's a hater. And I don't understand what that's about, because in my mind, everyone should be you should be able to make fun of everybody. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. Uh, white people, black people, Asian people, Mexicans, um, Indonesians, whatever, right? You should be able to make fun of anybody uh, if the joke's funny. If the joke's not funny, um, it doesn't necessarily mean the person's a racist because the joke wasn't funny. It's just yeah. a bad joke. I people think need to learn how to take a joke. I think part of that is that people on the left generally don't have a sense of humor. Well, <laughs> are, are on the on the what I what I call the lunatic left. Now, I I do have some friends who are left of center. And they do seem to have a sense of humor. They can appear. Yeah. They can appreciate when things are funny. Um, before before we go, I want to go ahead and make sure that I that I point uh, people to this on your website. This is the first part of two so far that have been published on bleedingfool.com. This is the first article that basically establishes the existence of the Whisper Network. Talks about. Uh, the leaks and some of the different discussions that are going on in this very secret private group on Facebook. And then part two that was uh, dropped last week talks about like what we talked about with the allegations against Stephanie Cook, uh, the denial that there was even a group when we know that there's a group, uh, the, the, what looks like uh, targeting Scott Snyder as the next one. Um, Chris, let me ask you this. There was a there was a list a long time ago 
the odds the odds makers list basically you know uh, which it's down ones, there at the bottom yeah it's down there yeah right. so what are what are the chances because scott snyder was the top of that list what are the chances that brian michael bendis is next as a target do you think they're going through this as their as their menu uh or or is this maybe just maybe not necessarily in this order but should we be looking at these people because you know there are some there are some some pretty well-known individuals yeah. in this yeah who should we be looking at well, next i think day? that i think that um you know, C.B. Sabolsky actually attacked one of our contributors on social media, called him a liar. Um, Spike Valentine uh, was a, has contributed several articles to us, and Spike uh, was making a claim about uh, his uh, work for Marvel, and, and uh, C.B. jumped in. And you like to think that C, uh, guys like C.B. Sabolsky kind of stay above it all. I mean, mostly all he ever tweets about are uh, is food. Yeah. Um Go well, and figure. Jim Lee hasn't said a whole lot about anything either. That's true. Uh, I think they're both uh, just puppets. Uh, I think really the one who's running the show at Marvel is Sana Aminat. I think she's really the uh, de facto uh, leader uh, of the direction of Marvel. I don't think CB would ever push back against her. Yeah. Um, and if he does, I, I think he knows his place, really. And I think that's kind of how this whole Whisper Network thing works. I think one of the reasons that Scott would go down first is Scott is in that uh, DC workshop where he's working uh, in a, in an environment where he's having to be uh, work closely with some of the people that happen to be in the whisper network. Uh, so he has to um, defer to maybe a lesser talented person because they tick a particular diversity box mm -hmm. instead of like the old school, like back in the bronze age where uh, people were hired and, and and got better gigs because they were good um, and, and readers responded to them. Uh, hiring somebody like a Gabby Rivera on a new character like America Chavez, and that was a clown show. Um, and the numbers were an abysmal failure, just like Cena Grace on Iceman. Uh, they're just targeting and ticking uh, diversity boxes. And I feel like Snyder worked so closely in that uh, that he was an easy target. Yeah. Uh, I think he got hassled. I don't, I, I'm, I'm sure that he's been ready to go. Uh, and now he is, I wish him well. I know that Snyder has come out against comics gate. Uh, he's definitely no friend, but of only when he was pushed. That's true. He didn't, he didn't do it just, uh, just on his own spontaneously. He had right. to be, he had to be nudged into that corner before he said anything. Kind of like yeah. when Neil Adams came out and said, well, what is, what is all of this going on? And then, yeah. Two hours later, he's spouting all of this anti-comics gate stuff, and people were like, "Somebody got to Neil Adams, right. or somebody got to Scott Snyder, and some of these people that are denouncing after the fact yeah. when they sit there and say, well, I, I, what, I don't know, what's, right. what are you talking about? I don't know anything about this.' Now, let if me I ask you this: my way, we're going to reveal some of the people that are informing these people who change their minds no. or get informed about CG and come out. Robert mentions IDW in the chat. Let me ask you this really quick because sure. I'm, I'm doing some of this where I'm looking at some of these attacks on dynamite on Jay Lee, who's doing a lot of work for dynamite. And you look at the kind of material that dynamite publishes. It's a lot of licensed material. Sure. And, 
the other and and I'm I'm going back and I'm asking myself why would dynamite be such a big target for these people? Why go after dynamite? It, it can't be just the fact that Nick Barucci is friends with Ethan. That's that that can't be all of it. Oh, and I get to thinking. I think, I think they're going after. And I, I want to hear your opinion, but I, I do think a lot of it has to be has to do with uh, Ethan and doing uh, covers and of course the Cecil cover and so on. I I think that that put a target on them, but there, I'm sure there's more to it. What's your theory? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the angle of the licensed properties and mm-hmm. the other comics publisher that does a lot of licensed properties is IDW. Yeah. And IDW has done a number of partnerships with both Marvel and DC, you know, mm-hmm. DC, you've got the Batman Ninja Turtles crossover and IDW now is, is doing the Marvel stuff with the, with the all ages crossovers and i have to wonder with idw being in such financial straits yeah their main competition for licensed properties is dynamite (laughs) so does marvel and dc do they have a vested interest in idw surviving and so because of that we dogpile on dynamite and damage their market share and maybe they lose some of the licenses and they flip over to IDW and now we can do crossovers with Marvel and DC. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a theory and it's not based on anything that I've seen one thing or another or a factoid or a thing, but I'm just starting to look at the different breadcrumbs of who's doing what, where. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering about this because Jay Lee you know, you, you attack Cecil to get to Ethan. You attack Jay to get to Nick. Mm. Who's next? And what's their strategy? And I have to wonder if maybe Dynamite is a convenient target in order to bolster IDW's position in the marketplace because they're dying on the vine. They're, you know, $26, $30 million in debt. Mm. And that is going to hurt if they go away and Marvel and DC's sales continue to go the direction that they're going, who's going to sell those books? So I'm wondering about that. Well, think about, let's think about Dynamite. What's their most valuable license, Red Sonja or Vampirella? I would say either either or. And, and yeah. then maybe Deja Thoris on the on the back end of that, but you know. Yeah, but not really. I mean, the, the whole thing about Dynamite is it's it's cheesecake covers. Yeah. And occasionally they do something like didn't they do the Battlestar Galactica classic? Uh, I think they stuff did a while back. Yeah. Uh, IDW has uh, and and Nick is a good businessman. He's doing well, and and I think it's because he spends all his money on the covers and. Frankly, I don't think any of the interior artists are very good. I've, I'm a Red Sonja fan. I saw in the chat somebody mentions uh, Marvel being able to get back to Red Sonja. Um, I'm sure Nick would love to uh, license a Red Sonja Conan crossover. I don't think anything would stop uh, Marvel, and I don't think anything should stop Marvel and Dynamite from, from doing that. As far as I can tell, um, I've got uh, back here, uh, I've got some of the latest uh, Savage Sword uh, and the uh, Marvel Years Conan Omnibus and Sonya's in there. Yeah. So they've been able to work out something. Um, so I don't necessarily think that's it because uh, in my mind, Dynamite just doesn't spend the money on the interior work. So he just, he, he cuts corners wherever he can. And 
uh, it was just a smart business move for him to let somebody like Ethan Van Skyver do a cover uh, because did you see how much money these crowd funds make? Probably more than another number one issue with five variant covers of Deja Thoris. Um, as far as IDW, man, they really know how to put a book together, especially an archival book. Uh, I've got all their uh, Spider-Man um, newspaper uh, collections. Mm -hmm. uh, they do great uh, artists, uh, archival books and things like that and collected editions. But, uh, man, they can't run their business. Uh, Chris Rael, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. This latest guy is there for five days before they have to let go of him. Uh, I think that uh, so many of these comic publishers have started looking at how can we get into the movie business. Right. Uh, and in my mind, uh, that's the last thing IDW should have been thinking about. I really enjoyed IDW's uh, Back to the Future books uh, and some others. But there, you look at somebody like a Chris Rael who was leading – um, IDW for so long into that failure. Um, his, he's, he's the same politics as somebody like a Gail Simone. Um, and there's so many of them like that. I mean, I, I can't fault it. It's almost like most of these creatives are from Portland and that's just how they think. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I think Disney uh, controls a lot of what Marvel does. And you see Disney uh, licensing their stuff to IDW. They license it to Dark Horse. Um, so, and they're in charge of Marvel. So that's why that stuff gets licensed to IDW also. Right. Um, and, and, and Marvel has gotten themselves so screwed up with who's in control. Now, anything they do in the Spider-Man comics, anything has to be approved by Sony, uh, because of Sony's ownership. So it's just a convoluted mess. Uh, and, and we've got all these, uh, little people like, um, Gail or Heather and so on, a cook, uh, uh, Alex DeCampi that have their little fiefdoms uh, that feel like they reign supreme. But I think that anybody that cows before these women, uh, women who uh, one of them in the group, uh, her handle is unburnt witch. I mean, if that <laughs> yeah. doesn't indicate what their mindset is, yeah. you know, that they would proudly refer to themselves as a witch that hasn't been burnt yet. Um, I don't know. Uh, what are we dealing with? Sociopaths? Now, that's not to say all 443 women in that group. Uh, it's not a hive mind. Just like anybody that uh, supports a Comicsgate comic book project, they don't all think alike. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of these women are not active in the group. And it's really lost a lot of its activity since Mark Wade. Of course, if you read in the Whisper Network articles, you see that. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of very active ones. To me, the one... As someone who's in media, the, the big story for me, which you didn't touch on, I mean, we kind of did, but you mentioned Snyder, and of course you mentioned Stephanie Cook, and and of course just the introduction of the Whisper Network and showing uh, who some of the moderators, the ad, not moderators, but actual administrators of the group are. I was very disappointed uh, that Amy Chu is one. I, I have every issue of her uh, Red Sonja run. Uh, and it was the exception to the rule. Um, most, almost every issue of that Red Sonia run, I think, was done by a guy named, I want to say Carlos Gomez. I, I could be wrong. That sounds familiar. Yeah, but boy, his artwork was spectacular. I recommend anybody check out Amy Chu's uh, Red Sonia run. And it was a great uh, uh, setup too, because it was sort of that fish out of water, which uh, aped the uh, uh, the issue, the what if issue, uh, back on in the first volume of Marvel, where Conan. Uh, lands in New York City uh, in the modern day based off some uh, savage, uh, savage sort of Conan black and white issue. But 
uh, I, I feel like I was disappointed about Amy and finding out who some of the leadership in that group are. But the story I think that gets overlooked is that one about Heidi McDonald. Um, Heidi's yeah. in the group. Heidi did a big hagiography interview with uh, Stephanie Cook. Didn't mention the embezzlement. Uh, one sharp-eyed commenter in the comment section did. And uh, this was an interview that was six months or so after uh, Heidi herself had published the article about the guy from the retailers group uh, that had been uh, released for embezzlement. Now, if some person that works for a comics retailer group seems to be seems to me to be less newsworthy than Bill Willingham, a legendary writer in comics, accusing uh, Stephanie Cook of it. So, you know, again, I, I'm not their editor. I don't decide what gets published and what doesn't at the beat. And again, it may be coincidental. Um, you know, I, I've had things pointed out to me where it's like, gosh, I didn't even look at it that way. Uh, and maybe that's what this is. Yeah. Uh, but we're just bringing it to light. We're just bringing attention to it. Well, and and one almost has to wonder if if depending on how long these people have been in this group, you know, because, you know, membership could be you know, yesterday or last month or six years ago or however long sure. it's been. Sure. If if Heidi and Stephanie Cook were in, were both in that group prior to the article, par, prior to the interview, you would think that at some point there would be some kind of a discussion back and forth and say, hey, what is what is, is there anything to this? Yeah. At the very well, least the to, esta yeah. to establish, you know, whether whether it was a thing or not or to coordinate. Well, we're not just we're just not going to talk about it. Right. Well, here's the thing. The ones that we see the most activity in the group are the same people that say things on social media publicly that you might go, gosh, isn't that something you should have just reached out to Scott Snyder privately about instead of calling him out publicly in front of his thousands and thousands of followers? So these same people in that group, I guess they feel like they have even more privacy there. Of course, that's understandable, but... Uh, they're the ones that if they're already talking smack on social media, it's easy to find them talking smack in the private group. Right. But Heidi and Stephanie would have probably communicated directly. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, I've had a recent um, recently crossed paths with Heidi because of the comic book project I'm working on. And the creator was looking for some attention uh, and Heidi turned him down because even though she has, done work with him in the past she turned him down because he was adjacent to comicsgate uh now she won't say this publicly but i've got the receipts i don't know that it's newsworthy or needs to be included in an upcoming whisper network we'll see where it goes but um there is an effort to um uh, silence voices and shut down creators for wrong think and ban books um and i've uh, you know i don't like the term on the right side of history, but I'm convinced that uh, the people who want to silence voices and ban books will never be on the right side of history. And I think uh, eventually it will bear that out. And hopefully uh, people like Critical Blast, people like Bounding Into Comics, uh, Bleeding Fool, and a lot of these voices that are out there will continue to uh, talk about this and speak up. Uh, people on our side of the fence need to speak up more. More of us need to be speaking out. And that doesn't mean attacking people on social media and insulting them, because as soon as you attack or insult, they use that person or you as an example of why it is righteous for them to fight you. 
Yeah. Um, but so you have to just sometimes just asking a question, well, how did that work out for you? Uh, to absolute hypocrisy or foolishness will sometimes get your point across. I think we just have to be a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser. I think we are smarter and wiser than that that group of people, but we have to do that online too. And there's something about Twitter that makes people think they can spit in somebody's face <laughs> and and it's okay and and it's but it's not okay and it really can be used against you and and people like. Uh, Mags Visaggio, who uh, I think was a baseball wielding dentist at one point, has seen that some of these angry tweets will come back to haunt you. Uh, and so we got to watch what we say and be really smart about it. If you're a believer in uh, uh, God, uh, maybe pray about it before you engage these people. Uh, just try to be wise, try to be smart, try to be calm, but don't be quiet. Uh, don't be afraid to engage. Um, I've lost a handful of friends on the uh, on Facebook over uh, my outspokenness. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm 100% right. I, I'm frequently wrong, uh, at least 2% of the time, maybe more. Uh, but, you know, we got to speak up. We got to speak up. And I appreciate what you're doing uh, with your YouTube channel. And, well, I appreciate that. Things to light. Well, and, and a point that I've uh, started to make uh, on the regular is the fact that it's the consumer, and, you know, and depending on what you're talking about, the voter, it is it is those people who ha ultimately have the power and control over all of this. And it's, you know, who you vote for for the politics side, but also where you put your dollars. Who who are what are you going to buy? What are you not going to buy? And the more people that realize that as the consumer, as the person who ultimately decides what you're going to uh, participate in you have that control and the people who think they're in charge uh, ultimately are going to come to the, to the realization either the hard way or not sure. that they're not really the ones in control they are the they are the 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 maintainers of that license that property you know they're this they're the custodians of it but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're in charge it doesn't mean that they're the owners of it so um yeah it's it's one of those things and and, and you know uh Rezekai makes the point about gina carano i i think you're going to start seeing a lot more of because you see it with tim pool you know they're they're right on the edge you know they, they've tasted the red pill they haven't mm -hmm. maybe maybe not taken it yet but it's there and mm -hmm. You know, two percent. Well, I think they have taken the red pill. I think they've taken the red pill, but they're not. But they are uh, true to their philosophy, right? So you've got classic liberals who will always be classic liberals, but they do not buy into this pro progressive Marxist ideology, which is a different animal altogether. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are people in the uh, conservative. Um, saviors, the people who are trying to save uh, tradition and, and save our um, democracy, um, our republic, rather, um, that uh, there are people on that side that can go a little too far. Uh, and I think that's what's happened in, in the uh, liberal side of things, too. And I, I don't necessarily think we all need to become moderates. We can still maintain our values, uh, but we can get along. Like what I was saying at the beginning, we can debate uh, without calling each other names or trying to uh, dig up dirt on each other and find out who our employers are and get, you know, cancel culture is not debate, right? It's not debate. And, and, and 
I, I saw this mess uh, after the Whisper Network expose dropped um, Friday, Thursday, and suddenly Tess Fowler is out, um, you know, shouting and shouting like she, you know, she typically does. And I'm sorry if Tess uh, truly has cancer. I, I can only presume she does. But to me, uh, just like putting preferred pronouns in your Twitter bio, uh, if you change your profile to say, like, I'm Chris and I'm uh, battling testicular cancer, um, it seems like I'm looking for public sympathy. And that's just kind of gross. Maybe it's just me for anybody. It's like saying, hey, I'm broke. Can you please give me some money? Yeah. Um, hey, I need attention. Can you please give me some sympathy? It's just kind of gross. And the fact that so many people coddle that behavior, I'm not sure where it comes from. Maybe they just want to look good. Maybe they want to look like, uh, I think the Bible says something about people when they give their tithes. Some people wave it all around before they put it in the basket and others give it quietly. Um, well, it's like there's we a need to do... there's a parable between you know the Pharisee and the and the normal citizen. The Pharisee sitting there going, you know, I'm I'm look at how great I am, and I'm so grateful because of how great I am, and and makes this public spectacle yeah. of his yeah. prayer, where the other one is just sitting there going, you know, very quietly and keeping to himself. Right. And and you're right. There are a lot of people that make a show of it and and figure out that you know clout must count for something and yeah. at some Victim point status yeah it's going to come around signaling. yeah well i think it's swinging i think it's slowly going that way and i'm sure uh, trump supporters hope it goes that way uh, come november i you know it, it just being a, somebody just an observer i don't see how in the world anybody thinks uh that uh a bumbling old man like joe biden has got the energy or the support to defeat an incumbent yeah. president i just i don't know and we'll it's see. and it's really you know my my theory is really it's not even about biden biden's a trojan horse for whoever is going in on the vice president yeah ticket, he's a puppet so. he's definitely a puppet all right well, well so stay tuned stay tuned for the next one it's brawley by the way oh, brawley Okay. It's fine. Everybody gets it wrong. They've gotten it wrong since first grade, and I just answered <laughs> to it. But um, I well, I apologize for being racist enough to 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 get that wrong, Chris. I, you I, is. Yes, you is. <laughs> it's very. So when is the next? Uh, when when does part three drop? Do we have? It's that cooking. I don't have a date. No, I don't have a date soon. Uh, so it's being assembled. The last. These are so dense. There's so much to them, and I'm really beholden to. Uh, Penny to put them together. This mm. came, uh, this was a, uh, a source that came uh, to us uh, several weeks ago and she reached out to um, a couple of other sites. We were all kind of copied on it. And when I reached out to some of the other people, they were like, yeah, we got that too, but we weren't sure what to do with it. Um, and so we just picked up the ball and ran with it. And uh, so I'm, I go back and forth every other day with, um, our source penny um, and there's it's cooking but it's not it's not going to be done it's usually two to three weeks so yeah. just stay tuned and and it'll drop and look for the hashtag whisper network and, um, and well you'll see it i can i can express my appreciation and and admiration for the work that you guys are doing at the same time say that i am completely jealous of your sources and <laughs> <laughs> but Thank yeah, you. we will we will definitely keep an eye on that. Chris Barley from bleedingfool.com. Thanks you very much for uh, for 
being here today and joining us. And I know we went long. Uh, those of you in the chat, thanks very much for being here as well. A couple of little real quick uh, pieces of, uh, of uh, housekeeping. We do have these stickers. If you want one, you can send a self-addressed stamp down below to Sci-Fi For Me, 1503 Main Street, number 305, Grandview, Missouri, 64030. Uh, those of you who are listening as uh, to this show as a podcast, we do air this show live on our YouTube channel uh, from noon to 1 p.m. Central Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern over on our YouTube channel Monday through Thursday. We do invite you to join us there. And we do uh, ask if you want to subscribe... You are more than welcome to do so. Make sure you have your notifications on and turn to all. Uh, Sci-Fi Snob, you, you're still waiting for your sticker. Uh, I have not emailed that to you yet, uh, but we do uh, we do want to send you one. So send us, a, send us an email and let us know your address. We'll get that to you. Uh, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com for feedback and comments. And we will be back tomorrow. Rick Stacy will join us uh, here in the bunker, and we will talk to him about comics and poetry and, and all sorts of things. So, uh, Chris, uh, thanks very much for joining us here today, sir. Um, good luck with everything over there. You guys are doing some, some yeoman's work. The, uh, the, the website, bleedingfool.com, where can they find you on social media? Uh, at Bleeding Fool on the Twitters, and uh, we're on Facebook too, at Bleeding Fool, and of course the website, as you said, that's good enough, I guess. They can find me on Twitter too, at Chris Brawley. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, folks. That's going to do it for us. We will be back tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Sci Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.